Hi, and welcome to the Orion Podcast with Jessa and Laurel. In today's episode, we connect with the dream team at Panorama Environmental. In consulting, it can be a common practice for leaders to base business growth decisions solely on profit metrics. And then pricing is a race to the bottom for the whole industry. We learned that at Panorama, a holistic view of culture and self-development comes first, and the results are an empowering competitive advantage. Enjoy. Treat. And then I also got to present at an Association of Environmental Professionals webinar with Tanya and learning about the projects that Panorama is doing outside of the one that I'm working on. It's great. I'm so happy to be connected to a small business, woman owned environmental consulting firm that is a pleasure to work with. So thank you for showing up. Thank you. Thank you. I hear about Suzanne um, every, almost every conversation I have with Laurel. So and this is my first time meeting you, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to get to know you on the podcast. But um, yeah, I've heard nothing but wonderful things. No yeah, it's, it's so funny because I met Laurel, like she's like the last person I saw practically before COVID started. It was like the last flight I went down on was I went to Imperial County. It was like early March. I interviewed Laurel and I remember, I think I told, um, I told the folks at CTR, it's like, either you're going to hire her or I'm going to hire her. Cause like we connected so well in that first moment, I was like, I need to work with this woman in some capacity or another. Like, I don't care how it happens, but it's like, either you're hiring her or I'm hiring her. This is how it's. Um, and then I came back home and then it was like shut down and I like <laughs> didn't go any place for a year. It was kind of a crazy, crazy period. But in that, in the midst of that, we've had this like great time being able to work on um, the controlled thermal project down at the Salton Sea, which has just been, it's something that like I wake up thinking about probably same as Laurel. It just, it's so exciting. It is so exciting. I, I would say I hugged you in my interview and I was like, was that appropriate? I just, I hugged this woman I have never met before, but I was like, I feel like I need to. And then I was thinking about the last time I hugged somebody in an interview was you. I, you greeted me at the office when you were interviewing me. Um, you walked, I, I walked in the door and I, and I don't know, I just like grabbed you. <laughs> I'm not recommending that everybody just grab people, but I did. I felt very like I wanted to be with Jess and I wanted to be with Suzanne. <laughs> I don't know. I felt, and look at us now. So Suzanne, I think we have a long, long road ahead together. And Tanya, um, I learned that you started, kind of started Panorama well, you did. You co-founded Panorama, um, and so you're the start of it. <laughs> so walk us through, walk us through your experience yeah. in the acquisitions and launching, and when Suzanne came on board. Yeah, sure. Um, what Panorama? What you guys do? Like your core service um, as part of that too? Yeah, yeah. So really quickly, um, I'm 
Tanya and the uh, co-owner of Panorama. Um, yeah, our core services is environmental planning work. So we um, work with clients developing projects or public agencies um, for projects that have public components that are subject to the California Environmental Quality Act or the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, and what that process is, is basically looking at projects, um, seeing how the project as it's being designed meets laws, requirements, um, Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, Endangered Species Act, presenting analysis um, of the project's impacts, and then defining mitigation. And it's a really um, involved process, it can be, depending on the size of the project. It can span a couple years, but it's really being integrated at the early stages of a project in the, uh, in the design and the entitlement process. And usually we start ideally right at the inception of a project, and then you know we're there through the construction of that project um, or the implementation of the project. Um, and just a little bit about Panorama, um, we are, I'm one of the co-owners now with Suzian. Um, I am the one of the founding principals. Um, I started in this field in 2001, uh, about 20 years ago now, it's hard to believe. Um, and I started working at, um, I moved out to, I moved out to San Francisco two weeks after 9-11, um, or two weeks before 9-11, sorry. Um, two weeks before 9-11, I actually took that same Newark to SF flight on that Tuesday, just two weeks ahead. Wow. Um, yeah, I was supposed to, I graduated from the University of Pennsylvania with a master's in undergrad. I was supposed to start a job in um, business consulting in New York City. But during that summer with the economics, it, um, the job was deferred and I decided to come out to California for six months. Um, flew out, 9-11 happened, everything changed. <laughs> I did get called back to the job the following March, just decided to stay in California though. Um, I started in pharmaceuticals, but pretty quickly decided I wanted to do something more on the ecology or environmental side. And that's where I met my former business partner, Lori, who had a really small firm called MHA. Um, interviewed, was her intern, uh, with her for 2001 to 2007. 2007, she decided to sell the company to a larger engineering firm based out of the Midwest. And so we became part of that company and we were there for, with them for about four years. Um, due to economic times and other things going on with the company and the, their business and their business model, um, they decided to release that particular company from their portfolio. This is the the, the larger ownership, which was Alliant Energy. Um, and so that opened up this opportunity for Lori and I to basically, you know, buy back the, our business unit and become a small women-owned business again and move to San Francisco. So um, that is what we did. We found it on 11-11-11, yeah, which is um, Corduroy Day. One, 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 one. Um, yeah, very important. Um, I'll never forget it. I know. I know. And I came up with the name Corduroy Day on your anniversary. Corduroy Day, yeah. Yeah. Well, my wedding is Halloween, so I try to like make it memorable, you know? My wedding anniversary. <laughs> um, so we, and then we. I came up with the name Panorama um, based on one of my really good friends lives on the top of Twin Peaks. And if you drive up the backside there, there's this road Panorama, I think it's um, Boulevard. And I don't even know, but I know it's Panorama. Um, 
and I just thought, hey, that's what a great name. Like the idea is this sort of big picture view while it still has this kind of aesthetic and environmental, you know, connotation. And so it's just like that is that is the name. Um, but we were so we started Panorama. We we again, it was a asset purchase, not like a straight up startup. Um, so we had some staff, we had backlog of, of, um, of projects, and then we just, you know, kind of bootstrapped it the initial uh, few months. Um, I read about how to build an accounting system and then built one and then realized someone else should be doing that, hired them on. Um, at this, this was about the point too where Suzanne joined. She joined right before we bought Panorama, or we turned into Panorama um, in 2011. And, um, you know, she was working with a client that um, I was also working with. And that client uh, on a geothermal project, you know, Suzanne had told him she, she wanted to move to the Bay Area. And the client, you know, said, oh, you have to meet Tanya. Like, you know, you would be, you guys would be great together. You guys, this is Suzanne was saying earlier, you guys are the dream team. And we met and it was instant, like we have to hire her. And so, um, you know, she was through all the, the transition and through Panorama and was really instrumental in terms of just growing Panorama and staff development and projects. And, um, you know, it's just, you could, I could tell she was different, you know, and um, very just dedicated and wonderful person. And about a year and a half ago or almost two years ago now, you know, my business partner, Lori, um, was retiring, retiring a little early. And, um, that just opened up this opportunity where, um, Suzanne could join, could join me in the ownership of the company. And so that's where she came on in, um, June of 2019. And over the last almost two years now, it's been the two of us and we've been able to kind of, um, be really aligned and, you know, think about the business and other aspects of the business because we're a little more similar in age, um, you know, in direction than my former business partner who was wonderful and had great experience. But Suzanne and I just have, you know, we're on this exact same path. We're, we're pretty much the same age. I think I'm a little older than her. Um, but I'm interested, Tanya, in hearing what was the biggest challenge and the funnest part about the acquisition? Um, like, making panorama because yeah not, i don't get to talk to many female business owners that get to launch their like go through an m a process and launch what they want to launch yeah so um so i think one of the challenges was we had no time so you know the the previous company wanted to divest and sell us and this was all this all happened between i think literally halloween and new year's mm -hmm. of 2011 to 2012 of 2011 um and it, it was halloween when i think we were supposed to have this lease with this company we're supposed to get a new office lease and they called me up because uh it was my anniversary and we were at a show and i remember getting that call and they just said uh the lease is not happening and i was like oh my god something's going on um and then it all kind of unfolded that you know they needed to divest our group and you know they wanted to sell us to a particular company but it turned out there was a a conflict um, in our projects with that with that company who was going to buy us, and that's when I just saw the exciting part was I saw the opportunity and was like, Lori, let's buy this back, you know, and we can do what we want, and you know, they kind of they're they're stuck <laughs> this point, you know, a little bit, right? Like, you know, we can offer a solution for everyone here that works well for us and them too um, at the company that uh, at RMT, and so I think. The exciting part was it was going to be mine and we could do it how we wanted to after being part of a large engineering Midwestern firm that, you know, maybe didn't quite under have, have the same values or understanding as us. Um, the challenge was we had to build everything 
in <laughs> six weeks over two holidays um, mm-hmm. to be operational starting on January 1. Um, yeah. So like I mentioned, I read a book on how to build an accounting system and then I built it and then immediately hired someone to yeah. rebuild it. <laughs> it worked well, though, I- it worked for a while. It was just very bootstrap in the beginning. We were actually squatting in a in a a lease. <laughs> I love that. What a story. <laughs> they were they were kind of slum landlords at the time. I don't know what the ownership is now, but it was in San Mateo, and uh, you know we had points in that office where the heat was broken, so it'd be like ninety degrees, and so we felt you know we had a right to squat for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they didn't object, so. <laughs> Um, what, um, Suzanne, what was your challenge, biggest challenge and favorite part about buying Lori out with Tanya? I think it's, you know, being an owner, there's this ability to create in a different way. So it's, you know, with, with working with Tanya, I think there's, you know, it's just really exciting every day to be able to say, okay, I think this is what the direction we want to head in. This is what I want to create in the world. And then we can create a plan to make that happen and just do it. Like like that part is really exciting. That's, that's what I love. And I love the idea of just having that additional kind of decision-making authority and creation ability of, of becoming an owner. And, you know, we were talking to you, um, of course, before we started recording the podcast. And I know there's some programs that you, you know, I don't like, for example, like being focused on diversity and, you know, a mentorship program that you're working on. And, and so can you tell us about how you guys together decided to, to implement some of like these visions and values and like kind of the day to day and how that is part of your business strategy? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when, I think, you know, as Panorama, there there is a culture. Every company has its own culture. Um, and one of the things that Tanya and I sat down when, um, back in 2019, as we sat down and it was like, we need to write down what are our guiding principles? Like, what is that culture? What is it that's like really special to us? What makes us who we are? Um, and down- sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you, but when you guys did that, had it been documented before Panorama or is this the first time, or sorry, before you became an owner? For panorama or is this the first time that you were documenting it for the company lori and i did have you know we had principles mission statement um but it was a little more um status quo kind of um approach to it i think i mean we, we were always envisioning you know some version of growth and you know um the types of projects and clients and um but you know i think suzanne and i maybe thought a little bit more, just took a little different perspective. Um, And again, maybe that came from the fact that our career paths are more aligned um, of looking at, you know, we're, we're sort of, we're not, actually, we're not millennials. We're just connectors or I am, I'm born in the seventies, but really cuspers. Um, um, But, you know, just starting to think about um, more people focused and, you know, our, our work is our people and what does that mean? And like, you know, how big do you need to be, you know, is the, is the ultimate goal money is the ultimate goal, goal, good projects. Is there some in between? And that was really the driving force of like thinking about we're nothing without our people as well. Right. And trying to play that forward. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I think it's, I'm sorry to Suzanne to cut you off too, but I was just wondering if it's like, cause Laurel and I love this stuff. So I was curious if like you'd had it documented before, which it sounds like, but then 
which I think is so smart is like in the change of ownership, it's not just like, here's Suzanne, this is what we're doing and like revisiting all that for you two together. So um, sorry if you yeah. continue. Right. Suzanne. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it, there was an there, panorama already existed and already had a culture, but I think it was yeah it was exactly what you're saying. There was this opportunity to kind of say, well, what's the exact culture that we want to continue? Um, and a big part of that was this idea of um, you know diversity. I, I think that that is something that really is a key portion of who we are. It's 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 founded in the belief that you know every that communication is important and that all people have something to contribute to that dialogue um, that, you know, because of regardless of what, where you've been in your life, even if you're like straight out of school, I tell this to the people who are starting with us as interns is you have a life experience that you're going to bring to this. Um, and that has value. We're, we're actually, the, the documents we write for CEQA and NEPA, these are supposed to be understandable to a lay audience. So if you, with do not understand something, say it. That is valuable information. If you don't understand what this says, we're not doing it right. And like, don't sit back there and say, oh, well, I, I don't understand. I don't know enough because I'm just out of school. It's actually a really good point of view to be able to say, you know what? Like, this isn't, this isn't understandable because it should be understandable to anyone who, you know, from just about any background. This is for a lay audience. Um, so I think, you know, part of who we are is we do believe that, you know, it, there's, it's worth listening to the people who work for us. It, it's everyone should have, should have some ability to communicate and has value because of their life experience. That diversity is something that, that brings us value. I, I often have this conversation with my parents about diversity because to them, they're baby boomers and they don't want to not be valuable anymore just because they're old. <laughs> and, and I've always said that we need, we need boomers, we need older than boomers and we need youngins and like young, what's the one that's earlier, younger than millennials? Gen Z. Gen Z. Like we need yeah. all the, I don't even know. Is there another one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but all that age is valuable, just as you said. I've actually never heard somebody say it like that, Suzanne, in the environmental consulting industry, saying students, young professionals, your um, experience of this document, of this work product and deliverable is critical to its success because of your age, because of your experience. Usually, and maybe this is my bias, I've come from the perspective of, oh, look, a student, a young mind we can mold and teach them how to read the biological mitigation ordinance and the resource protection ordinance and like all these other things. And it's like, oh, if they, before you teach them all the things, do they understand what's happening if they can or cannot read it? So anyway, a lot of times diversity is based on ethnicity. And I, I love this idea of considering diversity in age, not just gender. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's all of it. I mean, we, we definitely look at it in terms of it's, you know, it's age, it's, it is ethnicity, and that is another area where we're, we're very diverse in our company, and that's important to us um, because that brings cultural perspectives as well. Um, so, you know, age, ethnicity, socioeconomic backgrounds too, you know, geographic backgrounds. I mean, I'm from the East Coast originally. I've been 20 years there and 20 years here now or more. Um, but that you know that there's different perspectives depending on where you grew up and how you grew up too and and 
one of the ways we leverage that as well, and I had an interview recently um, where it, it was, I was told the interview was gonna be more of a personality test. But one of the things I brought up was, you know, part of what we do when we're trying to interact with clients, and a lot of times there's a lot of different personalities involved in our projects, a lot of different people, agencies, um, agency staff, and we, um, you know, we're trying to figure out each person that we're dealing with and what their motivation is and what their background is and what they care about. And then we look at our staff and say, all right, who would work best with this person who can hear them, who can listen to them, who can interact with them? Because sometimes, you know, some people are, are detailed, some are big picture and you try to put them together. That's not going to get where you're going to you know where you need to be. So you find the right matches along the way. And, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success on some very difficult projects by thinking about it from that perspective. And sometimes you put, you know, you have an, older agency person who really knows everything and you know you have a younger person on our staff who is really good at listening and asking the right questions and they love it you know and that becomes a great relationship versus two experts who are just going to be like i thought that's no idea <laughs> yes. and so that is one of the conscious ways that we kind of look at the diversity the differences in backgrounds the differences in personalities and how we approach our work mm -hmm. and obviously are like so emotionally intelligent to do that <laughs> Because I think it's it's such a skill that I think is lost on people to to be able to read people like that and understand it and you know doing the person we have this we'll talk to you guys about the site that we've had on our podcast twice now this other company and they specialize in like doing personality tests and coaching companies for it and so it's it becomes so objective where it just like makes sense when it's on paper, but then it's also like, there's always this subjective part of it. And so being able to see these people and understand like the listener and the talker and, you know, the people are just both going to sit there and not ask any questions. And it's just so, yeah, just like, I just want to highlight that. It's very emotionally intelligent and aware. And as leaders, like it's such a critical skill that like, how do you say that? Like you can put all these credentials and projects and all these things on your resume, but like your special sauce is like this type of like, you know, leadership. I'm a company with different personalities, and I inherited Suzanne. Luckily, it worked out. But I love the idea of coming to Panorama as a developer, I don't know, making an affordable housing project in downtown LA or something, and coming to Panorama, and you guys are like, okay, let me see who on my staff would best relate with this type of developer. I don't think that that is done very often. I think what they do is go, whose utilization rate is low, who has a very low billing rate, and who needs more work and can and is technically qualified but could use this as a as a learning experience. The cheapest labor possible. And that doesn't work. <laughs> Not always, no. <laughs> I yeah. just think you have a different model. We do have a different model. Yeah, we, we definitely have a different business model. And I think, you know, while we are women who are empowered and want to grow this business and want to see the business be successful, we're really motivated by seeing the growth of our employees. And we're really motivated to do great work, you know, seeing, making sure that our, our work is great and always that our clients are really happy that is what's most important to us. Um, you know, we're not going to go and take on more projects than we can do at that level where we're just going to be exceptional. You know, it's like that's kind of where we want to live is always being exceptional. And so it's a more kind of paced growth to make sure we can always do that. And it really relies on 
our employees being able to expand. So we've created a foundation where it's really built on our employees being able to grow so that the company grows. So as they are able to take on more and do more, um, and that's, that's how the company is able to continue to do the great work it does for more people. And what's one way that you support the employees growing and developing themselves? So we have an established mentor program where employees meet with their mentor four times a year. Um, we started doing that because there's like so much anxiety that gets built up over this like annual review process where it's like you sit down, it's like, have you met your performance objectives for the year? And it's like, you haven't talked to the person in like 12 months. And now it's like your whole like job is like, you know, relying on this performance review. And that's not what we wanted to create. What we wanted to create was we just want our employees to be successful because that's our shared success. So like we really want them to be successful. So how do we do that? We kind of went back to, well, let's make this more frequent. We'll do quarterly mentoring meetings. Um, and at those meetings, we have goal setting. Um, and part of that goal setting, it's both professional and personal because we believe that people are, you know, we are people, we're not robots. Um, and we need to balance all aspects of our life so that we can do our, our best work every day. Um, so it's through this quarterly mentoring process that we're able to help our staff develop and grow um, so that they can then go to meet their not just one year goal, but we also look at five year and long term goals. Where, where do you want to be in five years and how do we help you get there? So we have a roadmap for, for everyone in the company. And where does Panorama want to be in five years as a, as a family? Well, did, do, do you want to answer that, Tanya, or should I jump in? Um, yeah, I mean, you could jump in too. I, um, so, you know, I think, and Suzanne and I, this is something that we revisit every time we meet because we also, as an S corporation and, you know, some of the business side of things, we still have to have our shareholder meetings and all of that. Um, and business planning and strategic planning. Um, and so it's something that we talked about and it's open to um, some evolution, but you know, we don't think that we wanna become a big you know, 100 plus firm. I think we like the idea of staying in the smaller realm. There's very few firms that have stayed, most you know, reach a certain point that are smaller or smaller women owned and they sell to some bigger company, right? Um, and so you know, in the five, 10, year range, 15 year range. I mean, I think our goals are really to um, expand Panorama to some degree, um, but not to become to a point that would be a large firm. Um, you know, I think that we're looking at strategies of where we can be unique and different. Our field is pretty saturated at this point. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the consultants are, sometimes it feels like we're a commodity, not, you know, some like wonderful strategic partner, but you know, we try to build ourselves as this wonderful strategic partner. Um, and I think that, you know, we could maybe, you know, we're at about 25 people you know, with part-time. I mean, we could maybe get up to 35 or something or 40 and, you know, that and have some additional expertise or specializations that sort of branch out from what we're doing. Um, but we're not looking to become, you know, like, bigger like some of our competitors like a um ascent or esa or things like that um you know yeah. that could change but i think that really again our focus has been on um good work people and that's more of a clan culture right versus you know some of the other um versions of market driven <laughs> um, oh, i want to go back to your point about 
about the commodities thing because the environmental consulting industry, in my opinion, in California is very commodities based. A biological technical report is a biological technical report. A cultural resources report is a cultural resources report. A CEQA EIR is usually, you know, 12 to 18 months and $500,000. Like we all know this, <laughs> it's very common. So how, how does an environmental consultant set themselves apart from the others? And we get into this race of the hourly rate where we, where we focus on getting the cheapest, best product out because it's a commodity. And then it ends up being a race to the bottom. And I'll add that one way that my work on my project with Panorama is not commodities based is that I, after working with Suzanne for a year, I was like, I want a subscription to Suzanne. <laughs> I don't, I don't need, I don't need, um, of course I need all the technical reports and I 100% know that that's going to happen and I'm confident in it because I've been in this industry and I know what Panorama is like. But I want, I want a flat fee subscription to all the knowledge and experience that, that Suzanne has. And I find that to be a competitive advantage over other consultants. It's, it's the person and the experience and the life experience, not just the resume that I'm a wetland delineator and I know all the endangered species and I know, okay, yes, and why are you special and so fun to be around? And like Suzanne and I just strategize and wake up in the middle of the night. And we're like, that's it. And call each other in the middle of the, in the early morning. And go, that's it. That's the answer. And that kind of that kind of experience, I can't get at a commodities-based environmental consulting firm. This creativity and innovation and excitement, I I just can't get it. Yeah, that's, so that's the that's the key. It's the creativity and innovation. That's part of how we differentiate. And we really select those projects that are, I mean, I, I think you know, we're, we're known for working on complex projects, things that are controversial, um, you know, things that are, you know, a little bit more challenging, because that's where we, we, we can provide a competitive advantage. Um, I, I think, you know, part of what really unique is that um, about Panorama, and this kind of comes back to our diversity, is none of our documents have ever been litigated. We've worked on really controversial, really complex projects. None of them have ever been litigated. And it's, it's for a good reason. It's because we fundamentally believe that you need to listen to people, that we need to, to hear what people have to say that we need to listen to the community and we need to actually respond to their comments. Um, and so because we're really good at doing that, because we're really good at listening to all the perspectives and integrating those into the document, there's like nothing left to like fight over by the time you get through the process. Because you've explained it like a story. This is like in the environmental consulting world, people get litigated um, for political reasons, of course, yeah. like CEQA, these environmental laws are often abused as a means of prohibiting development that doesn't actually have a negative impact on the environment. They just say it, people just say it does because they don't want that in their backyard. But if you, if you engage a group of human beings that can listen to other human beings and consciously address it in a beautiful story that explains it and doesn't leave anything out, doesn't leave anything. I honestly think that people when they read environmental documents, they're scared because they don't know what they're reading. It doesn't make sense. And they're like, should I know? Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm such an idiot. And then they'll see something and they're like, oh my God, like 
it, it's going to be it's going to be bad. And I think that you're kind of in the business of calming everybody down <laughs> and getting away from the fear based mentality and getting them on the right track and getting back to diversity. I think the only way you can do that is by having a high level of diversity in age, ethnicity, experience, and culture, so that you can see a problem from all and not not leave it out. If you leave something out, you're yeah. <laughs> I think one of the um what I build this as when I try to market us because it is hard and you know that whole commodity base I mean that goes against it, it becomes really challenging because it's low cost low cost means we can't pay our employees as much which is then like affected the quality and what they stay with you and there's lots of switching and so it is a tough place to be but one of the things that I you know try to build us out as is uh, strategic environmental planners like there's yes. task consultants but I say you know we are like strategic consultants not you know, just environmental consultants. Um, and that is one of the ways, but the problem with that is, you know, the clients do need to get to know you because everyone tries to say that versus the actual experience. And so, you know, a lot of in the world we're in, a lot of the work that we do ends up coming through relationships. And, you know, that is something also when we're talking about employees that we've recently, you know, tried to train and you know, teach our employees is giving and give them responsibility to start to continue, you know, to build those relationships and to bring work in because they get their own ownership of it. Um, you know, they have this pride in what they're doing that that continues to grow as you as you build those relationships and you win work and you get to manage that work and lead that and take the direction and be the strategic advisor. Um, so that is something else that we've, you know, been trying to institute in our in our company is um, getting everyone to be kind of you know, seller doers, but not for the sake of bringing in more money, but for the sake of building the professional and letting them, you know, have their autonomy. Because we do find that, you know, what people really want is um, to do a good job and, you know, to be financially secure and then to kind of feel like they matter and that, you know, they have autonomy in their work and that we trust them and that they can do good work and that the clients are, you know, responding to them, um, not just, you know, doing tasks for Suzanne and I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of kind of the, you know, there's all these studies out there. I don't remember them specifically. Don't worry, I'll still talk about it. Is that you, people, it means more to someone for their boss to say, thank you, good job, than it does strike a bonus. I mean, obviously, there's certain levels of that that I'm sure <laughs> it varies, but it, it can mean as much or be as impactful by just taking the time to do that. And I think, too, what you guys are doing with the, the quarterly mentor sessions, I love and I love the idea of having that dialogue of, well, what do you want to do? What's important to you? And fostering environment for that. And and kind of, you know, as I'm talking, I had a question when you were saying that is, have you, have you ever experienced in one of these meetings or where someone wants to do something that doesn't align with the future of your company? And, you know, maybe being like, okay, well, this, this isn't what we're going to do at Panorama, but will help you get there. So, you know, maybe it's a year or two, they stay with you or three years. And then, you know, they know it's like they want to work for a really big company for whatever reason. Um, have you ever had anything like that? I think that came up. Yeah, actually, there was someone who left recently and the mentoring meeting prior to that, it's like what she wanted to do. It was like, well, that's not really what we do. Hmm. And then she, she kind of found a, a way out. So it was, you know, it was kind of like, okay, that, you know, that's in better alignment with, you know, her, her life goals. 
which is great because it's like, you know, part of what I think makes us so effective. We're like, I feel like we are just this really efficient team that works together great is we have people who are just like, oh, you know, they want to be here. They want to do this work. We work together as a great team and we're really positive about the work that we do. Like there's no, there's no, people don't come and are, aren't like totally down about what they're doing every day because I would just drain everyone. Um, but we show up and we're really positive about the work we're doing. Um, and I think that's because people want to be here. And so if you don't want to be here, that's fine. You can go do something else. Go, go pursue your life goals. Um, it's it's fine if that's not with me. I want the people whose life goals are doing what we're doing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, like I've interviewed people and people that I talk to who are interviewing. My, my encouragement is always on whichever side you're on is like, make this a conversation because you can tell anybody whatever you want. And get in the door or I'm like, okay, so you got, you got the job. Now what you, you may have like, I don't say misled, but maybe weren't true to yourself with what you wanted just to get the job. And I think, you know, people interviewing, um, and I know it's like a tight market right now, but it's, you, you really have the power to speak up for what you want and be in alignment. And I, when I've interviewed people, I'm pretty blunt. <laughs> I should not like have any HR responsibilities, but I'm also like, you know, I'm like, if you could say, I'm like, this isn't going to work out for either of us. If like we aren't realistic with each other about what our expectations are, because you can get the job, but in three months you're going to be doing the same thing with someone else because you're going to be miserable. And so I think you know having that level of transparency and these continued conversations, and you know people can come into Panorama and or any job thinking it's what they want, and then they're there for a couple of years, and as you have these continued conversations, you get more clarity on how you can help them grow with the company or, you know go on their own path because at some point if they're not happy they're not helping you either they're not helping themselves they're not helping you and it doesn't do the company any good to turn a blind eye and you know do this once a year with like a, a checklist like a checklist of okay yeah we check the boxes we ask them these questions and then meanwhile they're disengaged you know not performing they're not personally happy whatever that's a whole other podcast our listeners to feel empowered when they go i keep spinning over i'm sorry Jessa. that was awful um, I want people to feel empowered when they go into interviews to share what their personal core values and mission and objectives are and their style as it is right now, and then ask the company what are their mission, vision, values, and then see if they actually align, like tell stories around the core value of the business and my core value and my future and how they could intertwine. And then in your mentorships on a quarterly basis or your performance, you go, how's that story going? Are, are you aligning um, well? Are we on the path towards getting you to a place where you can take the vacation of your dreams? You know, maybe this is what I always find is there's this story around asking people what they personally really want and one person just wanting an extra day or two to be with their families. And it's like, that is so cheap. It's so easy to give, <laughs> to just give you an extra day or two to be with your family. And it's not, and, and I don't think that a lot of, um, employees are empowered to come say that because they're scared they're going to lose their job or they're asking too much. Usually it's females are like, I, I don't deserve this. I'm not going to ask for it. I'm encouraging and imploring everybody that's listening to really think about what you actually want and then talk about it with people who care, like your mentors and your bosses who genuinely care. And you, you might realize your dreams. I mean, yeah. not to go too lofty, but it's actually attainable. 
Yeah. And if you don't have a mentor or boss that really cares, that might be a sign. It's time to like go find a place where you have a mentor or boss that actually cares. The, the other thing that we've done too, that is kind of along those lines is like recently we, we sort of adopted this kind of full transparency look at like jobs and positions. Um, so we outlined sort of, you know, what are the positions? How do you get from one position to the next? Um, you know, how much experience is really is needed? How much, you know, when does, what is the billing rate associated with that? You know, at what point, and we explained to people how their, their salaries and their roles and their billing rates, like how everything kind of relates, you know, so that just so they understand that and so that people can see clearly, like, how do I get to the next step? What is, you know, what is, what does the top look like? You know, how far off is that? How far is it from where I am? And we find that, you know, it's, it's these, the, this uh, city of San Francisco, San Francisco Unified School District, they send these texts that are like advice for small children. But I realized they're like advice for small children, but also adults, you know, it's like every single one applies to an adult too. Um, and one of them was, you know, about goal setting. And it's like, if you set goals or if you are, you know, very clear and visionary in what you want, be it, you know, a specific dollar salary, right? You're more likely to attain it than if you just kind of float along, right? And so we kind of adopted that strategy off of a SF Unified School District text about five-year-olds and, uh, <laughs> and went full disclosure with everyone. Um, but I do I think- I, yeah. I agree with transparency around salaries and explaining to people how you get there. I always had to go through this process as an environmental consultant where I would look up um, similar job descriptions and roles in a public agency because in California we have to publish and be transparent about the salary and the benefits. And so I would create the spreadsheet and be like, okay, here's the salaries of all the people that do what I do. And if we have X many projects and you need, I know the company needs a multiplier of between three and four to be profitable, then if I have this amount of projects that I can create this multiplier, then I can create this salary. And so I could really get down into the details and negotiate for myself. Yeah, I do not like negotiating against Laurel when it comes to salary. And now that we're on the same team, it's like, yeah, Laurel, get out there. You want to be in your hype band. Now you're not even on the other side of the table. Thank you. I appreciate your compliment. But I hope that one day, like my dream for the future of the environmental consulting industry is that it doesn't have to be that way where it's, um, it's just more transparent and it's easier and I don't I don't need to go if I put 3.32 I could get an extra $700 which might cover my health insurance payment <laughs> you know what I mean and it's like it's so minuscule yeah I mean there's a reality again to just you know the nature of how these industries have evolved and you know particularly the environmental consulting industry that you know you can chip away at, make little changes you know and as a small business that is one of the things that we tried to do kind of go against the you know the sort of the, the standard um where you know others have said you're like actually listing like what a plan or two makes and you know we did ranges so that there's some variability in there and there's going to be exceptions and um but you know it's like yeah because i think that that helps people you know it takes that stress mm -hmm. off of like trying to negotiate it it levels the field fairness is super important to us you know like, yes. you shouldn't have someone who's barely working at a higher salary than someone working their butts off you know um and it's you know it's just trying to standardize and level the playing field as well and be fair and we feel like in the long run that should um 
be beneficial to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you might lose some people along the way who think they can get more somewhere else, but you know, they're going to go somewhere else and it's going to be hard for them because they're, if they oversell themselves or something, right? So, you know, I think the people that you want and that you want to stay will stay with this sort of transparency and ability to work together. And we told people too, tell us your goal, tell us what you want to make. And we will tell you one, if that's realistic or not, two, if it is like, here's what you need to do. And like, we'll track it with you, you know? That's great. Thank you for all of that. I'm sure we could have a whole like ser series two on the future of the industry. <laughs> we'll have you back. Let's talk about your three key takeaways, your three point landing that you want our audience to walk away from with. I think number one is that diversity, you know, it comes from really being open to different perspectives, you know, and, and those may be just, just people from different walks of life and that, you know, to have um, a truly diverse company, you have to be open to hiring people who don't look and sound like you. And I'd say two is um, business is more than just the money, it's the people. And that, you know, sometimes you need to shift your focus and, you know, a lot of times the financial reward will come from doing the right thing. I'm a strong believer in karma. Mm -hmm. and Suzanne, you want to do three? Can you come for the three? And, and three is, it is amazing to have a business partner and find those people to work with that you work with best. Like I'm so lucky to work every day with Tanya and with Laurel because I, I love working with these people. So if you find people that you work well with, keep them close to you. Great takeaway. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for joining us. This was my really fast. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Orion Podcast. If you're looking for a thoughtful gift for yourself or others, shop ethical jewelry with a story at article22.com. Enjoy 10% off qualifying purchases with promo code ORION10. That's www.article22.com and code ORION10. Enjoy!